You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can win the table. We're going to do it. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation. I cover the NFL around the internet, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. Like us on Facebook, where we post all of our podcast content, and you could subscribe to Locked On Packers on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Play, wherever you find podcasts. You will find Locked on Packers, the number one Packers podcast in the state of Wisconsin and the show for fans who know what happened. They want to know why and they want to know how. We are coming off a spectacularly entertaining championship Sunday. And I know it is not necessarily the outcome a lot of fans wanted because the Patriots won. But I think for for what we do here and for the team that, that we follow, and, and the, the reason you are listening is we have to make this related to Green Bay. And it's not difficult. And it's not difficult for a number of reasons. And, and the first reason that it's not difficult is because this is a position Green Bay wants to be in and wants to be in in a hurry. And if you look at recent history, there are reasons to believe that if not next year, at least the year after, Green Bay should feel like they can be in a position to be in the Super Bowl. Doug Peterson won the Super Bowl in year two. This is year two with Sean McVay. And the Packers are bringing in a Sean McVay disciple in some on some level to be their coach. So there's that. So the Packers can feel like there is a precedent here for a quick turnaround. The other part of this, though, is Green Bay played both of these teams in 2018. And even though 2018 was a disappointing, forgettable season that ultimately cost Mike McCarthy his job, Green Bay went toe-to-toe in L.A. with the team that's going to represent the NFC in the Super Bowl. And in fact, if Ty Montgomery takes a knee, maybe they beat the team that is going to represent the NFC in the Super Bowl. And then they went on the road against the Patriots, banged up in the secondary and dealing with a lot of young players that they're having to integrate on offense and defense. And they have the Patriots tied through three quarters. And this is a team that is close. They should feel like they are close to being in this class. They're just not quite there yet. And that is the margin in the NFL, a special teams play. You go back and and you look at the Patriots. They struggled to score. They needed a couple trick plays, and then they had a beautifully set up uh, play where where they faked a look that they'd run a couple times, the Packers bit, and they were able to get an easy touchdown to seal the game. That's the margin in the NFL. That it's, it's that simple. It is that close. And right now, the reason everyone wants a Sean McVay type, is because of what we saw on Sunday. Because coaching matters. Coaching matters more than the the, the average fan would like to admit. Coaching matters more than the average analyst 
or writer would like to admit because they, they don't understand it as readily. We can see the players on the field and understand that player played well, that player didn't play well. But what we can't as readily understand is what went into that play, what went into that call, what went into everything that we saw on the field in that moment, and that is coaching. And that's why the Patriots are in the Super Bowl every year. It's why they're in the conference championship game every year, because their advantage at coach is so big that it allows them to have, I mean, are the Patriots even one of the five most talented teams in the AFC? I don't, I don't think so. I really don't. I mean, they have Tom Brady, they have Stephon Gilmore, and they have Bill Belichick. Those are the only blue chip anythings they have, really. Cordero Patterson as a returner. I mean, that's it. And they're going to the Super Bowl. The Rams have a lot more. Part of that is the NFC is, is a better conference. But the Chiefs have a more talented roster. But they lost. And they lost because of Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels and Brian Flores. And I'm going to keep going back to this. And, and I understand this, this frustration that fans have. In fact, I got a note on the Locked on Packers fan hotline. You want to hit us up there, you can do that, 920-341-3775. But Adam from Kansas City, apt, says, I think LaFleur has a bright future ahead of him, but watching the Patriots these past couple games has me wondering if Murphy and company screwed up by not hiring McDaniels. Were they just too gutless to bring in his personality? Talk me out of feeling this way. Well, I can't talk you out of feeling that way because I don't know. I think there were a lot of reasons to like Josh McDaniels. I said on this podcast over and over and over, I thought he was the best guy for the job. There were more possibilities for that hire to go wrong than some of the other candidates and ultimately than the candidate that they picked. We don't know if Matt LaFleur was a better choice than Josh McDaniels. We do know, and I think we can say pretty unequivocally, that it is ridiculous that it, it took this long for him to get another head coaching opportunity last year, and he backed out. And it is likewise ridiculous that of all the jobs that were available, you know, Cleveland doesn't call. He only took one interview. That was with Green Bay, and Green Bay didn't pick him. And I'm sure there were reasons for that. They didn't. They weren't just like, oh, his personality. And and by the way, personality matters. But I, I, the 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 point I think that is more salient to what's going on here is Green Bay has to be able to feel like with an off season, multiple per, first round picks. You look at the Saints, and I know the Saints lost, but they were able to take a team that was struggling four, seven, and nine seasons in five years, and in one draft, basically in one offseason, turn the tide of their franchise. And Green Bay, when they made the decision to fire Mike McCarthy, this is the NFL landscape they were looking at. They were looking at uh, an NFC championship game with Sean Payton and Sean McVay, the best two offensive coaches, in at least in the NFC. And they were looking at an AFC championship game that has Bill Belichick and Andy Reid, two of the best coaches in the AFC, if not the two best coaches in the AFC. And Bill Belichick is unequivocally the best coach in the league. And I think the best coach in modern, really modern football. I mean, I really believe that. I just think he is absolutely unbelievable. And, and if there is a reason to be worried about a Josh McDaniels, it's because Bill Belichick might just be sui generis. I mean, he might just be so unique 
that we we can't compare anything else to him. And and this is always the insistence that I make with Packer fans. I say, look, I understand your frustration that with Aaron Rodgers, this team doesn't have the success the Patriots do. But the reason that is true is because they don't have Bill Belichick as their coach. And that is the difference. It really is. So when you make the change, you make the change with the understanding that Mike McCarthy is no longer able, no longer willing and or capable of being the coach that you can trust in these moments. So what you have to do is you have to go out and you have to find a coach that even if he isn't right this minute can be the kind of coach that you go into this game and you think we might have the best coach in this game. Because you can't go into the game and believing, wow, we really don't have the best coach in this game. We really are going to get outcoached in this game. And you can go back and you can point to plenty of games that the Packers have lost because of conservative play calling, because of conservative game calling, just this season. But I, I'm, I'm talking certainly over the course of the Mike McCarthy tenure. And that needed to change. That, that needed change to be different. And one of the things that I thought was was really smart, we had Jason Hershorn on a couple weeks ago and he mentioned the the ceiling of potential candidates. And the and the biggest mistake Green Bay could have made was to hire someone like Jim Caldwell or Chuck Pagano to come in and be their coach because we know what that ceiling looks like. And we knew what the Mike McCarthy ceiling was. And we we saw him reach his ceiling in the Super Bowl season and stagnate and and Mike McCarthy's best for this team was just no longer good enough. And so what they had to do was they had to go out and find a coach whose best they believe, whether it's in year one, year two, year three, whatever, but but they believe that his best is good enough to compete with Sean Payton, with Sean McVay, with Bill Belichick, with Andy Reid, because these are the teams against whom they're going to be measured because Packer fans are always measuring themselves against Sean Payton and Drew Brees, against Bill Belichick and Tom Brady, and against maybe the new Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that a little bit later. Now, the other way that this gets interesting when we talk about Championship Sunday is, well, how does Green Bay get there? I'm a solutions guy. I'm not a problems guy. I don't, I don't like to focus on problems. I like to focus on solutions. So the Green Bay Packers were not a conference championship team this season. That's pretty clear. So how do they get back there? And I wrote a little bit about this, or at least tangentially about this, for Acme Packing Company last week. And I talked about Green Bay needing to extend this plan to revamp the offense. They have a lot of their key defensive guys in place. We know what the interior is going to look like. That that trio, that triumvirate with Blake Martinez, Mike Daniels, and Kenny Clark is solid. We know the secondary is going to have Kevin King, Jair Alexander, Josh Jackson, maybe Bashad Breland in it for a long time. And we know what the needs are at edge rusher. So there are going to be ways in this offseason to make some changes there. But what I suggested is that Green Bay needed to get back to investing in this offense. Because when this offense was at its best, and you go back and you look at nine, 
10, 11. Those offenses, Jordy Nelson, Greg Jennings, Donald Driver, Jermichael Finley, James Jones, and a studly offensive line. They don't have that anymore. And, and I like a lot of the talent of these young receivers. I think Equinemius St. Brown has uh, just gobs of upside and talent. I think Marquez Valdez-Scantling as a deep threat, and, and he's shown he's more than that over the course of his rookie season. There is upside potential there, and Devontae Adams is a legit, bona fide, number one superstar receiver in this league. Really like what Aaron Jones can do, but they need upgrades at right guard. That's the biggest hole on this roster. I've made that case before. They need to figure out the tight end position, and I think they need to look at a a pass catcher of another sort, whether it's a slot receiver or or a running back, I think they need to get tight end sorted and they need another pass catcher, whether it's a, a pass catching running back, a slot receiver, uh, someone who can make a play with the ball in their hand. We saw how valuable James White is. We saw how valuable Av- Alvin Kamara is. These kinds of weapons are just, they're they're the ultimate trump card in the modern NFL. And, and you saw... The, the Patriots were able to take away Tyreek Hill because, what, well, what is he? He's a deep threat. And yeah, he can take a slant 60 yards, but you double him, and he's out of the game. He's not the kind of guy who can take, you know, single coverage and just box somebody out and make a play. Michael Thomas can do that. DeAndre Hopkins can do that. Devontae Adams can do that. But the Packers, they need, they need to find some more talent to go with Devontae Adams, to go with Aaron Jones. And and what they can do is in free agency, you sign a legitimate NFL player to play right guard, James Carpenter, Quentin Spain. There are guys out there that can just come in and give you, you know, above average NFL play, even just like slightly above average NFL player would be a huge upgrade for this team. And Green Bay is going to have, they have three picks in the top 50. And I think they have five picks in the top 100. If you extend it out to 111, I think they might even have six. Yeah, if, if you extend it to 112, so the Packers, they have, so the Packers have the 12th pick. They have the 44th, well, they have the 12th pick. They have the 30th pick now, the 44th pick, the 76th pick. And then in the fourth round, they have 108 and 112. So you're talking about if you extend it out to 112, 100 would be an arbitrary number. But if you go the, the top 100 picks and you extend it out to 112, because Green Bay has two fourth round picks, two first round picks, they've got six picks in the top 112 picks. Basically, everything after the fourth round is a crapshoot. So those are priority free agents, basically. Green Bay is going to have the opportunity to draft some impact players. But if they're able to go into the draft, having dealt with, let's say, their right guard situation, then you don't have to worry as much about what's going on with the 30th pick and is there an offensive lineman there worth taking. You get your defensive playmaker at 12 if you can. And then you start to look at 30 and 44. Okay, What about Hollywood Brown at 30 
inject some after run after catchability, some big playability. He's got some Deshaun Jackson in his game, a little bit of Tyreek Hill in his game. And then at 44, you get someone like Irv Smith Jr., the tight end from Alabama, or Caden Smith, the tight end from Stanford. Both of those guys can run, they can block. And now you've got your, let's say you get an edge rusher at 12, Ja'Kai Polite is there. You get Hollywood Brown at 30. You get Irv Smith Jr. at 44, Caden Smith at 44. Everything is out there for you now. The whole draft is out there, and, and now you can just bank players. You draft an offensive lineman in the fourth round because that's what they always do. Whatever you want to do in the third, I mean, it really opens up for them. So I think free agency, you have to see a, a veteran player on the offensive line. And then I think you have to see at least one veteran defensive back, one veteran safety. They can't go into the season with Tremont Williams and Josh Jones and you know Raven Green and, and the group that they have. They just can't. And so you know there are plenty of guys that are potentially available. What do they cost? We don't know. Landon Collins, Earl Thomas. We know the names. Eric Reed didn't end up having a huge impact in Carolina. Kenny Vaccaro didn't up in, didn't end up having a huge impact in Tennessee. There, it turns out there was a reason that those guys were available longer than we thought they would be. It's not to say that Green Bay shouldn't have given one of those guys a shot, but they're not franchise changers. There are some safeties in this draft class that could be appealing. Is Nasir Adderley, who is, if you recognize Herb Adderley, yes, there is a relation there. Um, he, he's a safety for Delaware. A lot of people think he's the best safety in the draft. Could the Packers, who under Ted Thompson drafted a safety in the first round, be interested in doing something like that at 30? Nasir Adderley. I think this this draft is setting up really nicely for them. You get your defensive playmaker at 12, and then you can just sit there at 30 and pick guys off. Who is coming? And it is, if someone really good is falling, then you can take 30 and you can take 44. You can package those babies and you move up to get that blue chipper who's falling. And now you've really got something going on. Now, one thing I want to address because I've gotten a couple questions about it and I'm, I'm really honestly surprised, but a couple questions, we got kicker questions. What do the Packers do with Mason Crosby? Do they bring someone in this off season to compete for that job? And, and one of the things... I believe it was in that Pat McAfee podcast that I referenced a couple weeks ago. He mentioned a conversation with Mason Crosby where there was some discussion about the battery. So you've got a rookie long snapper, you've got a rookie punter, and you're trying to make this kicking game work. And that continuity is not great. And Mason Crosby missed some kicks we're used to seeing him make. And, and if it is the case... As McAfee suggested, and I think he even suggested it on the broadcast, that this this was an issue. Maybe a new special teams coach, Darren Rizzi, is is apparently not going to be the guy. Uh, the, he left Green Bay after interviewing over the weekend without a contract, but it has yet to be, you know, signed anywhere else. So that they could re-engage in those talks. Who knows what the deal is there? Rizzi is a very very respected coach. And, uh, but the point here is if that is something that can be ironed out, if they can make some changes in the off season and, and get a little bit more continuity there, they're no longer going to be rookies. 
You hope everyone's a little bit more comfortable, a little bit more familiar, and you're able to get a little bit more continuity there. Mason Crosby is still, I mean, just two years removed from making the two biggest kicks in franchise history. I mean, he made two 50-plus yard field goals in Dallas to win that game against the number one seed. Mason Crosby is still a good kicker, and he still made some big kicks for the Packers this year. He still had to make that that kick against the Lions to give them a, the chance to onside it and go. It's not like you know he he's he's missing these huge big moment kicks. This was this was a lost season for basically everyone involved, and so I think right now you can say the same for Mason Crosby, and I think it's fair to give him the benefit of the doubt, a guy that has has needed the benefit of the doubt in the past, when you're dealing with a rookie punter who is now your holder and a rookie long snapper. Having that, I mean, that's a big change. And it, it can't be understated because kickers are persnickety. They're very particular about uh, about everything that, that goes right. I mean, we're talking about laces out. They made a movie about this. And there apparently were a couple of kicks that, that, you know, the ball is spinning still. It's not set. You got laces in. I mean, this is Pat McAfee talked about this. That, that this is, and, and you never heard it from Mason Crosby. You never heard it from Ron Zook. No one ever threw anyone under the bus, which is good, but that was an issue, and, and you hope in the offseason something like that gets ironed out. But back to the, the main point here is New Orleans in one offseason was able to transform their team. Green Bay in one offseason can transform this team and get them back into contention. Aaron Rodgers in a new offense. That that in itself could be enough. But then you look at what if they add a Jamison Crowder in the slot? What if they add a Golden Tate at receiver? What if they hit on one of these move tight ends in the draft? What if they sign Anthony Barr? What if they sign Landon Collins or Earl Thomas? What if they're able to get one of these guys to come in and be a stabilizing force on the offensive line. And, and just that setup could be enough. I think for all of the issues on the defense, you look at the, the kinds of players that are going to be available in this draft edge rushers is the primary. I mean, this is, it's the deepest position in the draft. Probably Packers need an edge rusher. The free agent pool has a number of guys who could potentially be undervalued. Someone like Anthony Barr, who had been playing off the ball, that Green Bay could slide into a more pass rush role. Boom. A number of starting safeties who are playing on teams that may not want to pay them what they're going to get paid. Packers need safety. And there are some value offensive linemen out there. Green Bay needs one of those. And guess what? If Green Bay decides that Jimmy Graham can't be the tight end here, or or even if Mercedes Lewis, Lance Kendricks, and, and Big Bob Tanyan are not good enough, Kendricks and Lewis are free agents, so they could just walk, the draft is full of quality tight ends. So this offseason sets up so congruently with the needs of the team. This is the time for them to make some moves. The, the, the Rodgers contract is not prohibitive, they can create a ton of cap space if, they, if they're able to make some of the move. If you move on, let's say, from Jimmy Graham, you can create. If you d- designate him post-June 1, you can save about $8 million. Well, that could be Landon Collins. 
that could be Earl Thomas. And that is the difference. Remember I said the difference is is so marginal in the NFL between being in the NFC Championship game and picking 12th. I mean, seriously. Green Bay should have beaten the team that is representing the NFC in the Super Bowl on the road. And they're not. They're picking 12th instead. Those marginal differences, those little competitive advantages, Green Bay has to do everything in its power, including remembering that this is an offense-first team that has for too long ignored boosting the offensive side of the ball, reliant too much on the draft and develop mantra because when, you, when you're not constantly injecting talent into your team, your your take your 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 margin for error as a team shrinks and the margin is already so small you can't cut it down further by not exhausting every opportunity at your disposal to make this team better the comparison has already been made over the course of the season and Patrick Mahomes his ability to change the launch point to make ridiculous throws on the run to create something out of nothing, to create big plays uh, down the field, and, and to really pull off Houdini acts that we've never seen. The Aaron Rodgers comparisons are are apt and obvious. But you know, I got a couple messages about this after the game on on Sunday night. Is the Aaron Rodgers comparison even more apt now that Patrick Mahomes lost a playoff game in which he forced overtime and lost? without ever getting the ball because this is something Aaron Rodgers has done twice. He has lost three games in overtime on final plays and has lost four times, I believe, in the playoffs on the last play of the game. It is not a comparison Patrick Mahomes wants, I'm sure, but unfortunately for him, it is apt. And and the Packers, if they're looking for you know, uh, comparisons that they'd like to make, They'd love to see a Drew Brees-like final chapter from Aaron Rodgers. Obviously, a Tom Brady-like final chapter. Three straight Super Bowls. I mean, John Elway, late in his career, he got two at the end. Peyton got that one at the end. There is a, a huge precedent of teams and players doing this at the end of their careers. You, you know, you're there. You don't. He does. Aaron Rodgers has said he doesn't want to be the, the game manager guy that just picks up the Super Bowl because he's hanging on. He can still be the engine that drives a Super Bowl team for the next couple of years. So Green Bay has to put him in position to do that. And that starts with this off season. All right, we're going to be back tomorrow and the rest of the week, Monday through Thursday. Our off season shows are our slow drudge. Two weeks from now, the Patriots are in the Super Bowl again. They're going to play the Rams. Patriots opened a slight favorite. The betting line, there were a bunch of lines. I saw Rams minus one. I saw Patriots minus two. So uh, this is going to be one of those games that I think fluctuates. A lot to talk about, obviously, but not two weeks worth. It's going to get it's going to get long. It always does. All the the Patriots legacy, the the slobbering all over Brady, and I'm sure Packer fans are already sick of all of that talk. But just remember the way that that you feel about the the Tom Brady stuff. No quarterback has ever engendered the type of hyperbolizing over just the the style of play and the guy and the guile and the gunslinging than Brett Favre and fans all over the league used to just complain 
about it. And and they didn't do it in a malicious way because everyone loved Favre. Not everyone loves Brady. But just remember that that you have been on the other side of this too at times. And you would you would relish the opportunity to have a quarterback and a team as successful as this Patriots team. I'm not saying don't be mad. I'm not saying don't be annoyed. I'm just saying have a little bit of perspective when it comes to all of this. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the show. Leave a review. Leave a rating, preferably five stars. Let other people know why you're listening to Locked on Packers, the number one Packers podcast in the state of Wisconsin. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, you can do that 920-341-3775 to let me know how you are staying Locked on Packers.